Hello and welcome to The Story, a podcast where great stories are shared and told. Do you love being immersed in drama, romance and suspense? Do you like to forget about the world you live in and step into someone else's world? Do you like to fall in love with characters that seem so real that you can identify with them and you just can't stop thinking about them? Well, you have come to the right place. This is a podcast that does just that. I narrate my second book, Rise of a Source Survival, where each week I read out a chapter of my book and I encourage other writers to join me in sharing some of the stories they have written. It's all about support and listening to a good story. So join us and embark on a journey of storytelling. Hello and a big welcome back. I hope you've all had a fantastic week. We've had a lot of wet weather where I live, but thankfully this week the sun has come out to shine and I am super grateful. It is amazing the things you take for granted and when you don't have it, you suddenly really do miss them, like the sun. The rain can be very conducive to writing, but honestly, I think we have had enough. Basking in sunshine is a must on a cold winter's day. Even our dogs and chickens were taking advantage of the sun, with them all laying out on the grass. So the other day I was discussing with my daughter about the importance in doing a job that makes you come alive and one that you really can't wait to go to work. We spend so much of our time at our jobs, more than our own families, and I think it is important to find something we love to do. I know that can be hard for some, but it really is something I feel passionate about. Wouldn't the world be a happier place if we all did something we loved? There is a Howard Thurman quote that really resonates with what I'm trying to say. Don't ask what the world needs. Ask ask what makes you come alive. Because what the world needs are more people that come alive. Think about that. Okay, I know I had some exciting news to share with you all, and I won't keep you in suspense any longer. I have just signed a contract with an Australian publishing house, so I'm very excited. However, I had to put my book Rise of a Saw the Beginning from Amazon and Barnes and Noble due to obvious reasons. I'll keep you posted when the book will be officially released and if you have any questions, please reach out and either DM me on Instagram, that's Jules, J-U-L-S underscore rights, or email me, the story podcast, all in one word, at outlook.com or join us in the Facebook group, The Story. Now it's time to do a recap from Episode 5, Exposed. As you know, last week, I explained that Chapter 5 was a little too long for the podcast, so I split it into two parts. The second part is today's episode, Episode 6. So last week, we heard Mohsen telling Ulrich Catcher and Kriya about how Pankomi escaped and how he, Mohsen himself, was captured. He exposed and revealed keys about the Assault 
much to the delight of the seer. Eleanor has kept her pregnancy from Merrick a secret, but is learning to love the life she will bring into their tumultuous world. I am super excited about the next episode, so let's not waste any more time and get stuck into it. Get comfy and enjoy. The seer opened his eyes and looked at the two women sitting in front of him. They appeared exhausted. He knew he would not have been able to learn as much as they had with as they had without them, especially Ada. He knew she was more than talented. She was gifted. They still did not know the full extent of her powers, and in time this would be revealed. He called for Ludwig and asked him to organise a banquet and bring out the best wine they stored for special occasions. Ada frowned when she heard the seer ask Ludwig this. You're going to drink wine? The seer let out a soft chuckle. We need to celebrate. We've had our first win. Ada was silent for a minute as she thought about what the seer had just said. He's right, Ada. We need to have time to celebrate. It has been a big revelation, what we have learnt from Mosin. Ada nodded as she came to realise the importance of their recent mind travel. Something, however, seemed to tug at her. A wisp of doubt. Tell me what it concerns you, Ada. The seer had lost his former jovialness and he had taken on a serious tone. The more he got to know Ada, the more she intrigued him. The gods had blessed her with gifts for a reason, and he was beginning to understand why. They had known the future of mankind and the prophecy that was to unfold. They also knew they needed to have some type of defence to fight back, and Ada was key. She shook her head, trying to concentrate, but the thought danced away, keeping out of her mind's reach. I am sorry, I, I can't quite get it, but there is something... It will come to me. I'm just not sure when, she sighed. The seer gave her one last look before getting to his feet. He stretched, releasing the t- stiffness from his body. He often wondered how long the gods were to keep him on earth before letting him join the people he loved in a more peaceful place. He suggested they get some rest before meeting him back at the kitchen table. It would take Ludwig a while to prepare and cook the food they would be eating. I'll help Ludwig. It is an awful lot of work he has to do, Ada announced. Anja nodded to her granddaughter. She knew she had so much more energy than she and the seer had, and she too needed time alone to reflect on the mind travel. She had not quite come to terms with her husband's death. Instead, she had pushed it away, concentrating on the work they had to do. The room she shared with Ada was small, clean and tidy. A twin-sized bed where they slept sat under a window that looked out to the enormous vegetable garden. Fruit trees graced the space behind it, while the majestic forest created a scenic backdrop. She walked to the window and looked out, breathing in the fresh air. Memories that she had kept at bay came to surface and she let out the torrent of grief that she had suppressed. Eijenbrook had been her best friend, her lover and her soulmate. 
the gods had promised her to him from the moment she'd been born, and she'd never regretted their choice. Eichenbrook came from a land far to the south, where the winters were bitterly cold, and the summers were a season that was barely there. He had left his home, scarcely a teen after having a dream about her. Eichenbrook had travelled months to find her, and when he had arrived her mother had demanded what had taken him so long. She smiled through her tears when she remembered this. Her mother was gifted too. However, she ruled with an iron fist and was the chief of their village. Eichenbrook had been surprised to learn a female reigned a village. There were not many women leaders, and she was the first he had met in his young life. Anja's mother instructed the couple to marry when her daughter came of age. Anja was only ten when Eichenbrook came to claim her. Anja had felt no fear of Eichenbrook. He was only a few older, years older than herself, and she'd had the same dream as her future, future husband. Her mother had told her she shared the gift of seeing too, and that this was a blessing from the gods themselves. The couple stayed with Anja's village for a month before her mother told them to leave. She wanted them to get to know and trust each other. The best way was to fend for themselves. Making the trek back to Eichenbrook's village would present challenges, and they would also be racing against the seasons. Winter was not too far away. Eichenbrook had expressed concern over this decision, but the female leader would not listen, instead growing angry with his doubts and reservations. She also instructed him to join the protectors once they were back in his home village. This had surprised the young Eichenbrook. He had longed to join his father's group of warriors, but his father had forbidden it. The young couple had set off the following dawn, and Anja never saw her mother in real life again. From that moment on, she only saw her in visions or dreams, until she died almost thirty years later. Anja let out a sigh and turned away from the window. She made her way to the jug and basin that stood on the bedside table. She washed her tear-stained face and changed out of a tunic, putting on a fresh one. Exhaustion settled over her, and she lay down on the bed. Images of the assault pushed away her memories of Eichenbrook, and she rolled onto one side. Squeezing her eyes, she willed them to leave, and tried to think of more pleasant times, in a past that had gone by. Sleep descended, and Anja drifted into a deep slumber. The tunnel wound deep into the earth, creating an underground labyrinth of pathways. Anja floated through the passageways, seemingly pulled towards where she was meant to go. Time sped up as she raced towards the end goal. She could see some of the Asaur working inside the tunnels, but did not have the time to stop and find out what they were doing. Finally, the tunnel she had been travelling in opened to a space that was filled with light. Anja looked up as the sky from above greeted her. She felt herself hover briefly before coming to the surface, leaving the tunnel behind. A vast forest of trees extended itself as far as the eye could see. They were not green and lush like the majestic forest. Instead, they were dark and leafless, 
creating a grey, drab landscape. She made it through her way through, letting her mind guide her, intent on finding out where she was going. A gloomy, eerie feeling wrapped itself around her, and she was unable to shake it. She push, pushed forward until a voice whispered for her to be careful and tread lightly. The sounds of construction could be heard, along with guttural noises made from the assault. Anja stepped from the forest into a large clearing and watched in fascination at the scene before her. There were hundreds of Asaur gathered around a large stone throne. A female Asaur sat upon it. Her dark long hair flowed behind her like a mass of tentacles that wormed and reached into the dirt at her feet. It seemed they were seeking something, thick finger-like tendrils of hair probing the earth. Anja held her breath. This must be the queen of the Asaur that Mosin had described. She knew they could not see her, but she did not want to let down her guard. The sounds of hammers, hammers echoed in the distance, behind where the woman sat, but Anja was unable to see what was being built. There were no humans present, and she thanked the gods. She could focus on what was happening around her without the distraction of the misery and torture of her fellow, fellow mankind. She listened intently to what the Queen of the Assault was saying and the soft voice came back to her. The Queen spoke in an unfamiliar language. It was the voice that offered a translation. She is probing the ground to look to where they can create new tunnels, close to villages, allowing ease of access and surprise. It will be a big help to take over the human world. She says they are always distracted by their own ego and petty problems. Anja frowned. Our petty problems? Yes, the voice answered. Anja waited for an explanation, but the voice stayed quiet. When she thought that the voice would not speak again, her thoughts were interrupted. The sounds of the work being done is made by the sweat of humans. The tunnels where you saw the Asaur is maintenance and work, making and to make, made creating new tunnels. You will have to work fast, Anja. Time is of the essence. There will be a great battle and your son will need all the help he can get. Never leave this place before, now leave this place before they catch a whiff of your presence. A shiver ran down Anja's spine as she took one last look at the evil queen. An impressive line of warriors formed a precise formation on both her sides, and as Anja turned, something caught her eye. She paused, frowning, taking a step closer. I told you to leave, now go! This time the voice was a shout inside her mind. Fear gripped Anja as she recoiled from the words that were spoken to her. The queen had paused in her dialect to the assault before her and she turned to look in Anja's direction. A cold chill descended upon Anja as she stood frozen. The queen sniffed the air, frowning, not unlike a dog that had caught the whiff of a scent of what it was seeking. An evil smile played across her mouth before she summoned one of the Asaur. Anja felt trapped. Her breath came in rasps. She could not move. She was rooted to where she stood. Her mind screamed to her to move. 
but she was paralysed. The Queen continued to stare. The assault she had called forward sniffed the air before he too smiled malevolently. Suddenly, Anja felt her mind being invaded as she struggled to hide her thoughts. It was like they were held hostage, a dark net cast over them, holding them captive like a fisherman with a net full of fish. Panic threatened to overcome her. She'd never encountered anything quite like this before. She pleaded with the gods to help her as she forced her memories and her new revelations to a deep corner of her mind. The Asaur probed her brain, searching for what she had hidden. She knew they could not see her in a physical form, but that was not what they were seeking. It was her thoughts, her memories, all of what made her who she really was. Anja realised if the Asaur were able to grow stronger with the mind travel, they would not need to fight physical battles. They would conquer by sabotaging the mind. Anja felt sick as this wave of revelation swept over her. Suddenly she felt the presence from before enter her mind. Enough! The voice silently screamed at her, but still she could not move. She felt that if she did, her mind would awaken and alert the assault to all what she knew. Anja felt a hand on her shoulder as it gently pulled her away. Slowly it dragged her from where the assault called home. She struggled to keep her mind blank as questions sought her, nipping and begging to be asked. She felt the assault loosen its grip on her the further she was pulled away. Finally, she felt like she could release her thoughts. The strange, invasive presence had gone. Anja woke in a sweat. The last wisp of the dream still clung, refusing to leave, giving her a memory of the journey she had just taken. She sat up. Her tunic clung to her with sweat, and she wiped her forehead. She suddenly felt thirsty. Anja rang, ran her tongue over her lips. A metallic taste was in her mouth. She got up from the bed. Reaching over, she poured herself a large glass of water and drank thirstily. She frowned as she let her mind dive back to where she had just come from. Anja realised that this was not just a dream, but a journey of mind travel. She learned where the Asaur called home had informally met their queen and learnt some of their strategies of how they planned to take down humanity. She had to tell the seer and Ada. Anja pulled, poured herself another cup of water. Eijenbrook, this is a win. We will bring them down. Our son will bring them to their knees. Your death will not be in vain. Tears began to run down Anja's face. She wiped them, but they refused to stop. She thought she'd cried out her grief earlier, but she was wrong. Anja would never stop missing, loving and wanting the man that had been such a big part of her life. Eichenbrook, I miss you so much, she sniffed. Silence followed and Anja shrugged. She did not expect an answer. She had to be strong. Her family and so much more depended on it. Forcing herself up, she washed her face and grabbed the comb that sat beside the jug and basin. She pulled it through her long hair before tying it into a plait. It was time to tell the seer and Ada. It was time to start the great battle. 
The sun made its presence, gracing the sky with the promise of another perfect summer day, as Ulrich woke from a dreamless sleep. He stretched before fully opening his eyes. Sleep still clung to his mind, as it took its time to catch up and fully awaken. He shook his head, trying to shake out the memories that began to stir. Frowning, Ulrich sat up and tossed back the fur. Furs. He paused a moment as the memory of the last few days came to life. Groaning, he fell back against his bedroll. Ulrich was not born a fighter like his father and grandfather. He was far too sensitive to have become a warrior. He constantly struggled using the sword, preferring the bow and arrow, and to hang out with his dog in the woods that surrounded his home village. Ulrich would have easily become a victim to the town's bullies, except for two things. Firstly, he could outrun any boy his age, and secondly, his father was a force to be reckoned with. The teardrop-shaped birthmark was a prominent feature that graced his face, just under his right eye. His mother had told him it was a mark of the gods, something to be proud of, but he'd only ever felt self-conscious about it. A sadness began to creep over him as he remembered his parents and the village where he was born. Somehow none of it seemed fair. He never wanted to be a warrior and he certainly had no plans on leading people and making decisions. But the gods had other ideas and had thrust him into doing the very things he detested. Sighing, Ulrich knew it would, be, it would do no good complaining about it. He had to accept reality and get on with the hand he had been dealt. He stood up from his bedroll. The morning felt cool against his bare skin. He hadn't bothered putting on a fresh tunic before falling into an exhausted sleep the night before. Suddenly, Crea burst through the tent's small opening. Startled at seeing Ulrich naked, she quickly turned her back, giving him some privacy as he hastily put on his tunic. You could have knocked, Ulrich chastised her, his face blushing with embarrassment. Stifling the peals of laughter that threatened to overcome her, she managed to answer him. There is no door to knock upon, dear nephew, or I may have used the opportunity to do so. As she said the last few words, she could not control herself any longer and broke into a fit of laughter. Ulrich, perplexed at first, soon joined her. It felt good to laugh. It had been such a long time. Catcher, curious at what they were laughing about, came to find both, both doubled over in fits of hilarity. After learning what had caused their merriment, he too succumbed, and it was not long before all three were lost in a moment of time where happiness reigned. Anja entered the kitchen where a large oak table stood in the middle of the room. Various dishes of food graced its top, and tantalising aromas filled the air. She wrinkled her nose and instantly felt her mouth water. She had not realised how hungry she was. Ada and Ludwig were engrossed in conversation, their heads bowed close together. Anja quietly seated herself, and reached for the bottle of wine that sat in front of her. It had been a while since she'd had the red drink, and she suddenly felt she needed it. 
Her newly acknowledged grief was still raw and clawed mercilessly at her. She took a large swallow, savouring the fruity taste as it slid down her throat. Anja took another and then another, enjoying the relaxing feeling it was giving her. As she put down her glass, she saw Ada staring intently, a slight frown on her brow. Anja wiped her mouth with the back of her hand, suddenly feeling guilty for relishing the drink. She cleared her throat as if to speak, but remained silent. This was not the right time to tell her about the dream she'd had. Ada smiled, breaking the tension between the two women. You have to eat, Grandmother. We have a lot of mind travel ahead of us, and as you know, it can be exhausting. Ada continued to look at Anja, her gaze unwavering. Anja nodded. She was relieved that Ada had not chastised her and had reminded her of her hunger. It suddenly came back with a passion. She reached for the large pot in front of her and began to fill her bowl with the beef and vegetable stew. Angel was onto her second bowl of stew when the seer came to join them. He appeared rested and a determined look was set on his weathered face. He nodded to the three seated at the table and a smile crossed his face when he saw the banquet in front of him. You have outdone yourself again, Ludwig, he said. Ludwig smiled, a lopsided smile, happy to know his, he had pleased his master. I believe you had an assistant. Ludwig nodded. Yes, she was a great help. I have no doubts that she was, and we need to eat and gather our strength. I believe the gods have a plan for us. The three turned to look at the ancient man, surprised at what he had just told them. Seeing their reaction, he chuckled. I will reveal all after our meal. Now, please, eat. They needed no further encouragement and ate until their appetites were satiated. They gathered around the seer, perched on overstuffed cushions, sipping a relaxing tea that Ada had made. Ludwig had joined them, his curiosity spiked from what the seer had told them previously. Anja, before I tell the plan the gods have made, I think you have something to say to us. He raised an eyebrow before his brow puckered into a frown. Anja nodded. She had wanted to tell them at the kitchen table, but had pushed it away, preferring to enjoy and savour her meal without thinking about the assault. I had a dream. It was enlightening, to say the least, but something was guiding me and I'm not sure whether it was the gods or... Her voice trailed off as she became unsure of what to say. Well, we will focus on that later. It is not as important as the dream you had, Enja. Please tell us. It will help us. The seer encouraged her gently. Enja nodded and recounted the dream she'd had earlier. What you have told us is extremely important not to mention helpful. We must use it to our advantage. The Queen is key. However, she will be difficult to get to. We'll worry about that later. For the moment, we must gather as much of an army as possible. 
The gods want Crea, Catra, and Ulric to go to as many villages as they can to tell them about the great battle that lays ahead. We will mind travel to each of the chiefs in the villages and open their minds with dreams of influence. This will help the job of convincing them. We must make haste, as Anja has informed us, the Queen is using her powers to feel, or should I say probe, for the villages she plans to raid. Once the gods have told me it is time for us to leave, we will prepare for our journey also. The last part of what the seer had said took them by surprise, and both women threw each other a questioning look. Neither had been able to foresee this change of events. The seer looked bemused at their reaction, but did not offer an explanation. Master, will I be coming with you? Ludwig asked. The seer shook his head. You'll be safer here, Ludwig. I trust you will take care of the place as you always do. A brief smile crossed the seer's face before it turned to become solemn again. Ludwig did not argue with his master and remained silent. He would not be leaving with them. They spent the evening discussing each of the villages that they would be telling, the trio to visit, and asked for their help. It was something that Merrick had started before being called back by his father when the Asaur came hunting for them. Time was running out, and a sense of urgency began to swell and fill the room. The seer, however, felt a small sense of relief. Finally, the gods had given him a plan. It all hinged now on how much humans could come together as one to fight a common enemy, hopefully for the last time. So thank you for listening. I appreciate your time and truly am grateful. Don't forget to rate, review and subscribe where you listen to all your favourite podcasts. Take care everyone and see you next week on The Story, the podcast where great stories are told. Bye for now.